Good evening, ghosts and ghouls, from our humble abode, deep in the earth's fetid entrails, in the lavish mausoleum where grave robbers dare not go, from our caskets, packed tight with Transylvanian soil, and shuddered against the solar rays of dawn, we bid you welcome. We're speaking to you now, live from our affiliate station in Targovist, where, just outside of this ancient sepulchre, the watchmen are about, with torch in hand, and the church has rung its evening chimes. This is our way of saying, friends, that just as these streetlights come on, the sun has gone down. Tonight, we're going to discuss a subject that has long fascinated us, as it fascinates many people, and which has been around as early as the ancient Greeks, and before them still the ancient Hebrews. Um, we speak of an ancient creature, old as night, feared as it is reviled, and imbued with such a vast array of supernatural powers that it might very well seem invincible. It's a being born from blasphemous bargains and sustained by the life force of its victims. Scourge of Eastern Europe, particularly Romania and Hungary, we're talking, of course, about the dreaded vampire. Now, every world culture, so far as we could find, harbors some version of its own vampire myth, uh, with the creature's attributes and character varying wildly. Um... But uh, some form of creature that feeds on blood or the essence or the life force of human beings and, you know, kind of rules the night is present in most cultures. But, you know, it could either be an evil spirit or the undead coming back. Yeah, I was about to say, I know I know of a vampire. Have you got, have you seen a movie called Twilight? Uh, you mean handsome as Edward Cullen? Yes, yes I, have, sir. I have seen that. Yeah, so I know for sure vampires are sparkly, very fast. And they don't want to hurt people unless they have to. Um, if it's 21 Pilots fan fiction, um, as as Edward Cullen is, then yes, that is the case. But vampires vary a lot throughout cultures. Sometimes, you know, it's it's people coming back from the grave that are pissed off at their family. Sometimes it's just these ghosts that materialize after sucking the blood out of people. It's... It's hard to get a handle on just one kind of vampire. Well, you know what? I'm going to be calling you the vampire expert for right now. So I'm going to be telling you. So the whole ghost and sucking out blood and becoming a vampire, that seems very un unreal. But it seems like it could happen. But I'm more curious about the dead body one coming back and becoming a vampire. How is that possible? Because I thought, like, for, for instance, for someone to become a vampire, they have to, like, you know, either get bitten or, like, suck some sort of blood. That's why the ghost one makes more sense than like the corpse being like hey i'm waking up and guess what i'm a vampire now so oh. so fuck with it well that's the thing there's just so many traditions and and but but that particular one of the undead um is more associated with the roma people sometimes uh -huh. you know disparagingly called gypsies which some people feels a slur not, yeah i was not about to, i was about to saying, say you can't not say saying that. it in a derogatory fashion just so people know but yeah the roma people are the ones that believe that if you have a family member that was treated ill in life or maybe you skimped on the funeral expenses and you gave them a shitty plot oh, maybe you buried them you know wrong <laughs> whatever that might mean under a waste uh, like a waste dump or something yeah next to a, like a sewage treatment that would, plant, that would suck they're gonna be um their spirits are gonna be restless and so that person is gonna come back from the grave to kind of haunt its relatives and suck their blood and prey on them 
thing, a quick little side thing, because that is interesting. But have you heard of the Vampire War? I have not heard of the Vampire War. Yeah, have War. you seen a movie called Underworld? You know, well, why, <laughs> have seen why, why are we going to be freaking out vampires if they're already fighting werewolves? You know what I mean? Like, why would we, why would we do that to them? That's, that's a, that's a whole other thing that, that vampirism and like anthropy both kind of took hold of Eastern Europe. And it's interesting that now we see them as these like antithetical forces when back in the day they were very much just like derivations of the same thing, which is like a witch, which is someone that pretty much makes like a deal with the devil yeah and so in exchange for these new powers then they have to consume humans case of the werewolf it's you know more of a metaphor for you know this uncontrollable lust and hunger case of the vampires it's very much more so like either revenge as we said with this roma myth or like a bargain like someone making a pact with the devil and saying i want to live forever but that comes with a cost you know now you're cursed with with eternal life in the sense that you have to feed on people if you want to live forever no hell not dude i would never want to live live forever dude imagine seeing the loved ones like just dying out while you're still alive i can't i can't do that (laughs) who what loved ones damn (laughs) yeah you're right damn i'm sorry to hear that you know what though little little sidetracking but uh for you since we're talking about vampires and werewolves for like a brief second who do you think would win in a battle vampires and werewolves we're already okay we're already speculating um who would win vampires and werewolves that's a difficult one okay because we mentioned the wide array of powers that vampires have so a vampire can take on the form of any creature of the night kind of like the nawales so they could take the form of a wolf okay they could take the form of a bat they could take the form of like nauseous noxious noxious mists um they have the power of mind control if they stare into your eyes they have the power to control the elements so i think so pretty much with, vampire so mostly vampire yeah because i was gonna say uh, from underworld like the uh, underworld and try like when they show werewolves like they just show these huge massive werewolves you know what i mean don't get me wrong i know werewolves in real life are like big as well but like i would say they're probably in real like life. <laughs> No, werewolves are big, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, back at you, man. But, like, you know how in the movies, though, they're probably, like, twice that size or, like, triple that size, you know what I mean? Right. Hollywood has has an affinity for kind of just making everything bigger. You know, bigger is better. You If you want a blockbuster, you want a, a giant wolf, but... That's true. To answer your question, yes, I, I think that in this hypothetical that might never happen, a uh, vampire. Vampire would win. All right, but getting getting back on track because there's these um, all these forms of vampires throughout cultures um, and throughout Hollywood, these dif- different representations. Um, we're gonna try to focus on the vampire as it appears in Slavic and Hungarian traditions, uh, as well as in Eastern European culture as a whole, because um, it's really this incarnation of vampire whose myth would spread throughout the rest of Europe, um, coming most well-known in the 1700s. And uh, it's this version, though it was tweaked and adapted in various ways, like they tend to be in Hollywood, um, that would give rise, or in literature, um, that would give rise to the romantic version of the vampire that were presented with in Bram Stoker's Dracula, which did a lot to popularize this myth, um, you know, kind of in the West and brought it to the 
pop culture status that that the that the vampire has now um so for the purpose of this show um which uh is most likely going to be a two-parter just be forewarned folks we're gonna try to zoom in on one story just because it's very representative of the notion of what a vampire is in these kind of um eastern european traditions even though it's you know highly mythologized and it's been tweaked and altered a lot we think it's a good you know case study um so the origin of the word vampire um even though it's disputed it's widely considered to be turkic in nature and comes from the word umpir which was later borrowed and then bastardized until morphing into the hungarian vampire now we have vampire um, so yeah, so this, this kind of Turkish origin mixed with this, um, you know, Eastern European adaptation means that we're going to take a look at, uh, the infamous, and maybe this is played out a bit, but the infamous Vlad Dracula, as we said, as a case study in, uh, vampirism. Now, Vlad III, um, also known as Vlad Dracula, was um, not only a real historical figure, but he's likewise national hero of Romania. So going forward, we're speaking with nothing but respect. Um, but nonetheless, a legend took root around his image, and it's become emblematic, and it harbors uh, most of the tr traditional elements of the vampire tale. Um so diving right on into it, uh, some backstory. So it was 1431, Gothic Cathedral in Nuremberg, that Vlad III's father, Vlad II, was inducted into the Order of the Dragon, swearing fealty to the Holy Roman Empire and to the Pope, promising to defend Eastern Christendom from the military onslaught of the Ottoman Turks. It was after the ceremony that Vlad II took the surname Dracul, meaning dragon, um, that his son would inherit. Now, in real life, Vlad Dracula, son of the dragon, that's little translation, literal translation. Some people nowadays interpret it to be son of the devil. It's not correct. Um, he's going to renege on his father's promise and switch camps between the Turks and the Christians throughout his life, not showing a lot of loyalty. Either wait, way. wait, wait. So so then, so people were getting mixed up with son of the devil when it should have been son of the dragon? Yeah, that's correct. So the the fact that Bram Stoker loosely based Count Dracula on, you know, Vlad II um, means that his image has been distorted a lot. So they're like, oh, if this dude was a vampire, then we're going to translate his name as being son of the of the devil, you know, after yeah. his pact. But no, it means son of the dragon. And it it's it comes from this Christian military order that arises in the east to defend against the Turks. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Dracula is going to vacillate a lot throughout his life. He's going to switch back and forth. Um, unite Wallachia, uh, modern-day Romania. It's going to purge the, the boyars, the, noble, the nobility, do a lot of things in that country. But according to the legend, which isn't very historical, but the legend did arise, um, Vlad Dracula actually remains a faithful servant of the church. He acts as a bulwark against the Ottoman Empire's expansion in that area. And in doing so, he impales whole villages, um, soldiers, civilians, women, children, and all, as he sweeps into their territory. Did you just say children? I said children. So it's it's very much this Alexandrian concept of putting everyone to the sword. Damn. Um, and maybe now... That's messed up. 
Are you familiar with with impaling as a method of execution? No, actually, no. I feel like back then they would like just get the horses and tie them and like you know, the the drawing and quartering. Yeah. That that yeah for an execution that might work for a whole, but for a whole village it's not efficient. Oh yeah, sorry. I was thinking more just like you know one person. Well, for a whole village, I feel like they would just like burn the village. You know, like put everyone in one building and just like burned them. I'll do you one better. So now, um, giant stakes, which maybe this is where now we get this notion that a wooden stake to the heart will kill a vampire. Okay. These tall stakes, you know, meters long tall, were put up, villagers were rounded up, and then these stakes, uh, if they were pointed, they would kind of just toss you on, they kind of skewer you like a kebab. Oh, wow. Or they would have rounded up ones, and those were the nasty ones. Because in those, they would have you sit on top of it. Um, Steak's not sharpened at all. They would have you sit on it, you know, bare ass, pardon pardon the expression. Wait, what do you mean by rounded? Okay, so a steak, of course, is like a pointy-ass stick, right? Right. So a rounded one is just like... It's dull. It's very dull. It's round at the top. And the point of that is that they don't want you to be impaled uh, quickly. They want it to be slowly. So maybe in the morning, they'll put you on top of one of these stakes. Yeah. Bare ass, again, respect to the dead and all that. But bare ass. And they'll let gravity do its work. And by the afternoon, as the day goes down... And they said they used to be able to tell time this way by how far down the body was on the pole. No. <laughs> till eventually, this pole was going to be through your anus, protruding from your mouth. So it was a very painful method of execution that would, he would oh, put these that. rebellious villagers to. Yeah. And that's why he cultivated this kind of bloodthirsty image about him because he was a very ruthless warrior, both in reality and in and in the legend. But again, you know, in his mind, he's doing this on behalf of Christendom, on behalf of the Pope, and so it's all good. This isn't fucked up. Oh uh, yeah, of course, of yeah, course, of not. course not. <laughs> of course. But um, so he gains this kind of bloodthirsty uh, image about him. And uh, one historical account, and this is historical again, claims that following one such massacre, Vlad sat down to enjoy a light peasant's lunch, um, you know, surrounded by the corpses, as one does. Um, And finding that his bread was too dry, he decides to grab one of the buns and dip it in the blood and then proceed to have his feast. And so, again, this kind of bloodthirsty image um, leads him to be associated with the the notion of a modern day vampire, since that myth was already prevalent in Eastern Europe. Um, and so again, this following part isn't historical, but it's according to the myth. Well, I'm gonna after- cut you off right there. I thought if if you would like, <clears throat> oh my god, sorry. I thought if you like drank or ate someone else's blood, that was bad for you because if they weren't your type, wouldn't it be like? Like deadly for you or something like that, or did that just not exist back then? I think that's more along the lines of like transfusions, but I think you could eat anyone's blood. That's weird. You've never had blood sausage, uh, morcilla? No, it's it's pretty good. But maybe uh, maybe, but, maybe you're a pig vampire. <laughs> maybe, but um, that's actually one of one of the methods by which you can turn someone into a vampire. Um, having them drink of your blood infects them with the vampiric disease. And so now they're a vampire, but a subordinate one, one that 
it's forced to follow your commands and in so many ways a slave to you. Yeah. It's pretty much like their bitch, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a bitch vampire. Yeah, it's pretty much. Hole. Damn, that sucks. It's the kind of vampire you would be. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, according to the myth, um, after the death of the Wallachian princess, so um, Vlad Dracula's betrothed or his wife in the myth, um, at the hands of the Turks, uh, the heartbroken Dracula, who's been fighting for the church, fighting for God, he's like, God's forsaken me. Like, the one thing that I loved most on this earth was taken away from me. What good has it done that I've been fighting on God's behalf against these, you know, quote-unquote infidels, you know? Um, and so angry and uh, heartbroken, he makes his pact with the devil. And the devil, in exchange for eternal life, says, your soul is now mine. And if you want to sustain yourself and this immortality that I've now granted you, you're going to be forced to consume the blood of mortals for the rest of your life. Um, at this, Dracula shuts himself up in his castle. Um, the, the Roma guards, so again, Gypsy, for those of you that don't know, it's a slur. I apologize. Just saying it. Um, in case you're unfamiliar, but the Roma guards kind of protect him at night and he's forced to sleep forever in Transylvanian soil. So if he were to leave, um, he has to be in a casket surrounded by the soil of his homeland of Wallachia or Romania. Damn, that's a lot of rules to have immortality like that. So you're telling me the devil was like, hey, your soul's mine, but you can't leave. You have to sleep. When, when I think about mortality, I think he was just going to be, like, not sleeping, just having to suck on blood, you know what I mean? I feel like that's more, like, downsides to becoming a vampire than any good one. I mean, exchange for eternal life. Again, you're bargaining, bargaining with the devil, so I'm sure there was some shadiness involved. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, don't, don't make deals with the devil. He's a much better negotiator and uh, deal maker. I mean, I, I guess it's debatable because there's, they said this is kind of digressing, but, you know, mu musicians have made deals with the quote unquote oh, devil and like they've they've come out pretty good. The, the, the fiddling contest. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I know that when you're not going to pull the wool over my eyes. Yeah, but going back to but going back to that thing, but I feel like taking that deal was just probably way worse, you know, because like in, in this sense, is he able to like so do stuff in the morning? Because I know I'm probably thinking Hollywood and how like, you know, they can't go in the daylight, but like that that isn't like the case here, right? Like they can still walk around in the, in the daytime. No. So he's he can't. And I guess the, ex the best explanation I found for this is that he can't be, you know, the presence of God is the you know, morning. <laughs> the, yeah, like the sunlight, no like is um, you know, detrimental oh to him God. because because the steel was born of scorn. You know, the steel was made because he was angry at God. So this is a rejection of God, and so he's forced to walk the shadows outside of God's light. You know, and that's the the metaphorical role that this plays. That he turned his shoulder, yeah. his turned his back on the church and on you know human life in that sense you know it's gonna be really funny if he made this deal when the sun was out that that <laughs> that would have been pretty funny that's why oh my god i don't know man that just it just seems more of a of a of a letdown to become a vampire yeah i'm sure it is if you just want the mortal life but if you do it out of anger as he did then it's kind of like a fuck you it's the it's a rebellious teen move you yes, know, sure, it's huh? like a, you know, fuck you mom i'm staying in my room i'm gonna be a little vampire it's the question a little vampire <laughs> but yeah and that's that's the one on the one hand like we said the vampire myth either it's born of these bargains 
kind of like werewolves bargains with the devil where you get where it's tit for tat in exchange for mortal life you make a deal or it's these vengeful spirits that come back from the grave to kind of fuck with people because they want revenge yo that vengeful spirit one still gets to me man i just i just can't believe that one because like the thing is like they're not there so then how are they able to be a vampire what do you mean because you know how like when you think of spirit you think of like them fucking around like fucking you around like around the house like oh, moving okay. shit like pulling you and all that so like if this spirit's like a quote-unquote vampire you're just gonna be waking up with like bite marks or like flesh and, like all that coming out of you okay so so trip on that one and i believe that this is the fuck i believe that this is a slavic myth where this spirit does do exactly just that it starts like feeding on your blood at night and you wake up and it's like fuck like where do these bite marks come from Meanwhile, the spirit is incorporeal, so it's it's in the air, it's in the ether, it's nothing. But as it slowly drains you, it starts taking on this like gelatinous form and like become and like growing bones and becoming solid. And so it takes time for it to actually materialize. And so in these stories, the corpse is still on the ground. So there's a corpse still there of the person, and there's this whole other like doppelganger version that came into being by feeding on people that it is a spirit and eventually takes on this mortal form slowly by draining you of blood every night and grows into this fleshy weird thing until it finally looks and appears to be human okay well that w- that's fucking trippy and that's actually a really good one but you know since you're the vampire expert i do want to bring up a few questions so we did talk about the vampires and how they become to be whether they're a spirit or you know the son of the dragon but like let's say that for instance let's say summon of the dragon if you would know like how did he die or is he like still alive and in a sense for vampire for vampiriness how would you kill a vampire okay all right so the myth leaves off there that he holds up in his mountain fortress and his uh servants loyal bodyguards go down to the town and kind of bring him up his supper and it's it's it actually makes a lot of sense that in Bram Stoker's adaptation he makes Dracula like a count, a nobility. And it all it's also kind of ironic because the historical Dracul Dracula, sorry, hated the nobility because he saw them as like leeches, as vampiric leeches that kind of fed off of the common people and the peasants. Okay. And they were down starving in the villages while they were up in their mountain keeps, you know, getting fat. He actually locked them all up in a in a room one day and burned them to death. And so there is this metaphorical thing of like the nobility or the town burger kind of leeching off his less fortunate um, peers and that, you know, kind of social aspect of of the vampire. And so it, it, the myth leaves off there that he's up there and that the poor people are preyed upon by this count. Now, as far as killing him, um we have we have sunlight of course that will kill him because in the bargain he made um god he can't be in the presence of god and god's light yada 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 we have that um garlic also deters them but does not kill them okay running water deters them also so a vampire can't cross running water wait for real for real vampire can't cross running water can't be in the presence of garlic can't be in the presence of sunlight and a stake through the heart, you know, reminiscent of those stakes that he used to impale people, and maybe this is God's irony, that a wooden stake through the heart will kill a vampire 
and those are the modes of of getting rid of them. Um, now these these things: garlic, uh, sunlight, running water. Um, they're actually interesting because scholars today think that they know how this vampiric myth came to be. Now, rabies is a disease that makes you photosensitive. So if you're infected with rabies, either animals or people, afraid of sunlight, you're hydrophobic, which means um, you're afraid of water. So if, if, if um, you're a rabbit, if an animal's rabbit, or if a person's presenting with rabies, the sight of water will make them, you know, fearful. It'll make them recoil. And this is a medical fucking thing. And um, rabies also, it makes you uncontrollably violent. So you're going to be lashing out, trying to bite people, scratch people. So to a superstitious ancient person or medieval person, if someone contracts rabies, they're very much going to be like, this is the work of the devil. And this person's like trying to kill me. And he's deterred by, oh, strong odors. Um, because they're super sensitive, just in every sensory sense, strong odors also make rabid people kind of go and go like recoil go crazy go crazy <laughs> go stupid so garlic which is a very strong smelling thing would it would also make sense that this would be kind of like a folk you know amulet against vampires well that's that's interesting that you brought up rabies because when i think about rabies honestly i don't think about vampires i think more of like the undead you know what i mean right like like zombies and yeah and like zombies like that. yeah that's what i think of yeah, but uh, thank you for explaining explaining that to me. But I feel like maybe this one would be a little harder. But maybe you would know. I don't know. Is that okay? Now, now that you've told me a little bit more about you know an actual vampire, so then how would you defeat a spiritual va- or spirit vampire then in that sense? Okay, in that sense of a spiritual vampire, this is again where we're gonna cross paths with the church. Um, some of the oldest accounts of vampires come from Hungary, and it was in Hungary that the catholic inquisition that i'm sure we're all very familiar with was very active in those days there's actually recorded cases of people being possessed by uh vampiric spirits that possess people and so in that case in that case the church's route was we're going to perform an exorcism and so in hungary there's several uh documented instances of these priests from the inquisition which are, I believe, Franciscans. I believe Franciscans run, run the Inquisition throughout history. Um, they conduct these exorcisms to get rid of the spirit. So now your soul is saved. But in order to get rid of the, of the body that is still infected and that's still you know, hungry for blood, they'll just uh, burn you at the stake oh, like wow. they did to so many heretics and um, you know, non-believers, as they called them in those days. Okay, and so, so, yeah. so, so then the way the from 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 the perspective that you're telling me that this spirit is, has already been let's say inhabited into a body in a sense, right? Right. So let's say that even before it gets to that point where like you notice that you started getting bitten and like you know blood's been drawn from you, and like you know let's say that you're where you know about what's happening to you, let's say you want to try to do it before the spirit is able to embody a like a body. All right. Like, how would you get rid of it? Um, looking through it, it's there's conflicting reports, but sometimes something as simple as, um, like, you know, how we mentioned that that they might be angry that you fucked them over as far as a burial spot or as far as you know how you treated them. So in that case, a proper burial, like in so many instances with like vengeful spirits that 
that they're trying to communicate something, if you give them then a proper burial or kind of rectify the wrongs that you did to them in life, if that's at all possible, then the spirit will go away on its own. You know what? That makes sense. You know what? That's fair. That makes sense. That's that's clever. <laughs> that is clever. You know, I really did enjoy the stories, but I think we're all out of time, guys. You hear that? Um, hopefully you guys did enjoy this whole vampire and Dracula that Noah was able to provide us. And I'm going to be passing you to him again to give you guys a little bit more detail. All right. Yeah. So hopefully this provides um, a little more context as far as vampires go. So just the general overview. I know uh, we talked about Dracula a little bit just because that's a good case study. We might come back to this topic. Um still in the works but we'll for sure let you guys know there may be a part two um so watch out for that um besides that my usual spiel of course we're looking for uh spooky stories um scary stories whether you're uh maybe a creative writer that wants to send them over to us or maybe something actually happened to you happened to a close friend happened to a family member we want to hear those stories send them on over to the streetlights are on at yahoo.com going to spell that exactly how it sounds phonetically the streetlights are on at yahoo.com um and without further ado make sure the lids on your coffins are firmly shut you don't want any sunlight to get in there um but you know once the sun is down and the streetlights are on we can't wait to see you again next time